Welcome everyone. I'm Lilia from Territory 3 Kiwi Landing Pad Reimagined. Um, we help support a community of Kiwi founders that are going global. And as part of that, we uh, run these weekly webinars uh, with different guest speakers, uh, sometimes founders, um, both early and late stage, and um, industry experts on different things. Uh, Campbell is a bit of both as, um, I guess, an industry expert in product management, um, having done that for quite a few years now, and is also a founder um, of dropstation.io, which is a, a new startup that you're working on um, in Web3PO and um, 3 and it helps um, creators and monetization and all that, but we can go into that a bit later. Um, really glad to have you here. I'd love if you could do a bit of a background on um, your story so far, how did you get into product management? What kind of roles um, you've had over time? Um, yeah, just a bit of yeah, your journey so far. Yeah, sounds good and and stoked to be here. Um, so yeah, I guess like out of university, I started a couple of businesses. I had like an ice cream truck and then a, um, a survival gear retail online business. And then wanted to kind of use like work in technology a little bit more because it could scale. I ended up uh, working on an early stage e-commerce uh, platform here in New Zealand and then uh, and then ended up going to Toronto uh, where I worked uh, for a company called Sensible in a, in a product role and essentially we worked with some of the biggest fintechs in the world to create new engaging experiences for their customers. Uh, I, I left that company, went to a company called Seta. Seta was a Sequoia-backed uh, company. It was growing uh, really, really fast at, at the time. And um, I sort of worked on, the, so Seta was, was a home concierge. So helped people um, manage their home, get all the bits and pieces done and off their, off their plate. And, uh, and I worked on this, uh, this area as sort of the product lead on it um, called the Home Hub, where it was one place to manage your home. Um, Thumbtack uh, saw what Seta was doing and this Home Hub and a few other things that we were doing and decided to acquire us. And then I ended up at Thumbtack, which is a $3 billion company in the US. Um, basically, they're a platform for professional services. So if you want to find a DJ or a plumber or an immigration lawyer, um, it's a great platform to go on. It's one of the market leaders and marketplaces are really, really challenging. So it was an awesome place to do product. And um, yeah, I was lucky to be in a product team um, with leadership that built Lyft, um, the, the ride sharing company. And so they built it from the ground up and a few other people from Google and Square. Um, so sort of like really got close to how these types of product teams work, um, which was amazing. And then uh, just recently uh, left to start DropStation, um, which really we're working on the future of brand loyalty. So helping brands and businesses build out their Web3 ecosystem and loyalty platform. Cool. Amazing. Yeah, it sounds like you've been a part of some really incredible um, startups. Um, just a quick note for the audience. Um, we would love this to be interactive. So um, any questions you've got along the way, uh, do check those in the Q&A box. Um, and I'll just I'll keep an eye on everything on, on the screen here. Um, so if you do, you know, any questions that come to mind, do um, yeah, just just check them in there. Um, if we start off at the basics. Um, so a lot of our audience will be founders, um, early stage ones who are trying to figure out, you know, how to structure their startup team and, you know, what is product management? Because I know I've gone through the um, schooling system and even that that term never even came up for me. Um, so I'm just, you know, from your perspective, what are, what are, essentially is product management? Yeah, there's probably a better textbook definition out there that I'm going to give, but um, <laughs> the way I think about it is there's kind of, when you're, when you're building, you're building out a, a new product or a business, um, you need to really understand um, what that product is going to be and how it's going to solve your customers' needs and then also build it in a way that it's going to be able to scale, um, you know, like beyond just small, small amount of user base. And so you've really, it's really this intersection between uh, what the, trying, trying, to, trying to solve the customer needs, um, the business needs, and then um, working with technology so it can, it can truly, truly scale. And then when I think about, okay, what is the, what is the real role of product? And this is kind of what, what I, what I learned um, recently uh, working with some of these companies is there's sort of two, two parts to it. First off, you need to, you need to figure out what, uh, what you're actually going to build and what customers want, and then you need to deliver it. So you need to, so the first part is really about discovery and the next part is about delivery. 
And I think uh, there's a misconception that a lot of product people are, are just, you know, responsible for just kind of like getting it done and, and helping engineers kind of build a bunch of stuff. But the, the biggest risk to a business is building the wrong thing. And product managers should spend most of their time or product people most of their time discovering what that right thing is to build. And so I think, um, yeah, just just really over-indexing on de delivering the software is a real problem because you can go in the wrong direction. And as a startup company and as a founder, you've got limited resource, uh, limited runway, a ton of competition. And so it's so important to get it right. And, um, and if you can get product right, um, you know, like you really have created this, like, you know, hopefully a defensible advantage in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And let's say, um, you know, a founder's looking to hire their first product manager. What are some things that they should look for in that person to know, you know, this person is going to be a good product manager and, and where might they go um, to find someone for that role? Yeah, I think... The temptation when you're in the early stages is to go cheap because, you know, like you, <laughs> you don't have a lot of money. But the problem is if you're getting someone that hasn't really done this before and, um, you know, doesn't know the right way to kind of talk to customers and to, uh, work with engineers and really has a good sense of um, the user experience as far as like design goes, uh, then, you know, there's a there's a high possibility that um, they might end up taking the team in the wrong direction. And engineering is the most expensive cost to, to most businesses, especially in the technology space. And so you really don't want to get that wrong. So um, a few a few key attributes that um, we definitely have have looked for. Um, and when we when we try and hire pro product managers, is first off, do they have a good product sense? And that's super vague and abstract. But what it, what it really means is, you know, do they have some sort of vision as to where, you know, a, a product can go? Uh, can they empathize with customers? Can they, uh, can they really sort of like understand their needs? And then uh, how do they, they de-risk uh, the, the whole business really, really quickly and learn, quick, uh, learn fast? Um, usually really good product managers they have a process that they go through um and it's methodical so they can actually really unpack the customer's needs and build um you know build a really clear roadmap and vision that's going to guide the guide the team so that's the first one product sense and and when you're hiring for a product person um that's really really important um because if they don't if they have a bad product sense then they're probably not going to be um building the or leading the team to build the right thing um, the next one is being analytical. I think it's 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 pretty important and definitely um, more important as the business grows and there's more data coming back. But um, being able to look at, at data and actually make um, make meaning out of it and and sort of separate the signal from the noise. And so there's certain ways that you can you can test for that. Um, and then finally is just leadership. It's it, you, you know you're working you're working with a lot of diverse. People probably in the early stages, maybe a designer and engineers, um, but as the business grows, there's going to be more people coming in, like an analyst and and whatnot. And a product person typically doesn't have much authority. They they've sort of like got to architect their influence. Um, and so, good product managers will um, be able to connect with all those different people and um, rally them around a problem and a and a vision and then allow them to kind of like help solve the problem together as opposed to the the challenges some people some product people when they get into it they think oh i'm i'm the product person i need to come up with this magical uh magical experience these magical features but in actuality um i, I guess like the um the hard truth is that most products fail in the first couple of iterations and so you really need to get there get there fast and so you want to um, you want to kind of install this in the team that you know there is a high chance of failure, and we kind of need to uh, get to the get to the bottom of that. And then I think the really really good product managers, which is almost like harder to measure, but you you can get this in interviews. Is do they start from first principles? Do they really get to the core needs that um, that the business is trying to solve and the customer needs solving? And, and start from there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Awesome. And in terms of um, building out a product team, now obviously this is going to be different for depending what stage startup your startup is at. Um, 
what how exactly do you go about building out that team um would you let say the product manager take charge or what kind of influence would you as a founder have in terms of yeah um bringing in more people to, to work on product and what kind of structure would that team look like yeah i think the way the way i think about it is you want someone that's relatively senior coming in first because they're going to build the right you know the right foundations um i think as a founder you want to it there's this there's this risk where you bring someone in that's relatively senior and you're used to kind of setting the vision and, and calling the product shots mm -hmm. but um you don't have time to be close to your customers as much as a product person would be and so you've kind of got to give them a lot of autonomy so i think now you kind of switch from this like you know hands-on kind of founder role to okay i need to step back and let this person in and let them really get closer to the customers and i need to just set that north star vision where we're kind of taking the the company and and communicate a lot of the big business problems that you know i'm seeing i think some of the some of the great um, CEOs that I've worked with, they're very transparent about the problems in the business. And some people don't like to admit that, you know, um, maybe there's the, the margins are really low and we're burning cash at like crazy rates. Um, but you want your product manager to know that because otherwise they're going to prioritize the wrong stuff. And mm -hmm. so I think that's like super important. And then just being okay, if they're going to get it slightly wrong in, uh, in the early days, I think, um, you know, they're not going to have the context you have, but um, as as the business develops, I think you just want to you just want to edit to make sure they're not going too far off track, and you know they're going in the right general 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 direction. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So it's great if the founder is um, supportive and transparent, but not too overarching in terms of um, you know giving them some space to to delve into a direction that they are keen to to go into. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think. Great, great product. People love ownership and they love, they love a lot of autonomy. So you're just going to constantly butt heads if you kind of like get in the way of that. And yeah, it's a, it's a challenging dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, just got a couple of questions coming through already. Um, we've got one here from uh, Benjamin. Uh, how do you differentiate product management and product leadership? Um, what are the key skills or tactics that you've seen? I assume this is different between small and large businesses. Yeah, great question. I think product product leaders are really thinking about that long term product vision, and then they're really uh, they're really trying to understand how to structure all the all the product teams and product build yeah build a product team that's going to be able to deliver on this and, and make sure that they've got the right people in the right seats. Whereas a product manager is going to take ownership of part of part of the problem or part of the product roadmap. And um, maybe even, in, in fact, I, I need to be careful saying this because I think one thing that uh, can happen is there's this top-down, you know, this is the product roadmap. Now, product manager, go and kind of execute, which I don't think that's the, that's, that's the right way to go about it. And in fact, at Thumbtack and a lot of the Silicon Valley companies, um, they basically give, uh, give express some, some uh, problems of the business and then... Um, maybe some guidance as to what could be a good direction and then let the product manager and the product teams define um, exactly what the what the goals are or the OKRs are for the next year and then just like allow them to build their um, their roadmap um, based off that and work work together with them and so yeah I think the def definitely a product product manager is is um, executing just part of the the big overarching product vision, but in the, the leadership is, uh, you know, and they're, they're kind of like debating with the CEO and trying to, they're basically they're fighting for the customer against the CEO to get more resources to be able to execute on the, um, on the roadmap and, and make the right product decisions. And, and sometimes they're really hard. Um, some of these, some of these decisions can be incredibly risky. Um, but yeah, they, uh, great product leaders will have conviction that, you know, we need to, we need to be very, like, we need to be, we need to move really quickly. And so we can mitigate these risks, but we need to take these big leaps to try and figure out if we're on the right track or not. Cause the worst thing that a product team can do is spin their wheels for a, for a very long time. Mm, awesome. Great answer. Thanks for that. Um, another question, um, from Andrew Tokley, uh, how about the timing of bringing in a CPO level product person? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hard one. I think when it starts, is, is, there, is there really a number of employees that you would kind of get into? Mm -hmm. I think it's just, I think the earlier you can get someone that's a really, really good product leader, the, the better, but they're hard to hire. They're very hard to hire. It, it, yeah. So I don't know if I've got a good answer for that. I think, you know, is the product, do, do you feel really good about the product direction or, you know, as a, as a CEO or as a leadership team, do you feel that, you know, it's a little bit weaker there and this could, this could really cost the business. And then I think that might be the, the way you think about it. Um, because some CEOs kind of like take the product reins for a while um, until they can, until they get to that size where they can bring someone in at the CPO level. Mm -hmm. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for that. Um, oh, actually, I just seen a comment and uh, um, Andrew just made a comment. Um, in the US, I think they use product lead leader as the person line managing product people. PMs don't typically don't manage anyone. Uh, yeah, I think so. Cool. Um, yeah. I just forgot, I've got to mention, um, Campbell's actually in San Francisco at the moment, and but originally Kiwi. Um, so kind of curious from your perspective, um, what do you see in terms of product management in New Zealand? Because as I said, you know, it's not a, a common term over here. It is more of the kind of um, thing you get when, when you're going to the States, expanding over there. Um, in terms of uh, finding, you know, a product manager to hire, uh, what have you seen in terms of, yeah, do you see many good people in New Zealand or would you say straight away look to the States uh, to hire someone from over there with a bit more experience? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that because I'm not as familiar with what's happening in New Zealand because I've been out for too long. But I imagine there's some really good product managers from Zero and you know mm. Trade Me and True. those types of companies. And then yeah. it's like really, really hard to find experienced ones. Um, mm. Yeah. And because um, are there some, I know there's some programs over there, because um, wasn't there one that you were involved in? Um, would you say those sort of programs might be good for finding, say, you know, that you are looking for a less experience, but someone who has gone through a bit of education in that sense? Um, are there yeah, any programs that you'd recommend sort of looking towards for those, hire, for those hires? Yeah, I think, yeah, so product school is amazing. Um, one thing that was that um, the product leadership did at Thumbtack was uh, took took all the product managers through the Silicon Valley product group um, workshop, which is expensive, but it's totally worth it because it's going to teach you to think like a Silicon Valley product person. And there's just a lot of um, hard fought um, knowledge and insight that's been uh, that's been gathered through that and they do a really good job. I went through that and found it super valuable. Um, one thing that we did at Seta when we were growing and we couldn't really afford a, a chief product officer or maybe we just and, and maybe we just didn't like it's, it's hard to hire a chief product officer it takes a while was to get to get an advisor in. and we had the uh, we had an advisor that was uh, leading up honey uh, that was acquired by PayPal and then just like went on to lead product there. Um, but it was amazing as a product manager to be, um, you know, checking in uh, with him, you know, once or twice a week. And I feel like that's a really good way. If you've got someone that's a bit more junior as a product manager, find an advisor that 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 knows this, and then um, you know, like you can make sure that you're not getting, you're not making any of these like big mistakes. And that might be the way to to nurture someone into it. Mm, awesome, cool. That's a good way to to do it. Um, a question from Jesse: uh, How much would a senior product manager costs so I guess quite a specific question um in the in okay. New Zealand I, I don't know what it is in New Zealand I know in Canada and you might be ranging from 150 Canadian to like two mm. in the US it gets expensive it's like 200 plus USD um New Zealand I imagine it might be like 130 yeah, plus I guess that's just yeah, the way with, with most um it depends if you go junior as well. Like you can get you yeah. Yeah. But yeah. seniors expensive. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of talent in the States is, is very expensive as well. Um, I've noticed. Um a question here from Jim. Um 
someone might be quite in depth. Um, for, for product management, of course, there is a customer linkage and UI UX. Apart from that, what is your view on who owns uh, profit and loss for the products? Um, in other words, it can relate to each product and the top line revenue coming into the company versus what a CPO role might do later down the track. Um, and Jim is freezing on the cavity coast. Amazing. From no, the cavity coast. There's um, a big wave of snow hitting up the country. Um, so oh, no way. It's pretty cool. I'm, I'm up in Auckland, so I'm missing it, unfortunately. But um, yeah, rest of the country, lots of snow. Um, anyway, thanks for the question. Yeah. Um, so the question, the question was, um, who owns, uh, yeah, profit and loss for the product? Profit and loss, right? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think that you really want the product manager to, um, to be on the line for you know the metrics that matter for the business, and so. You can't you can't hold them accountable to all profit profit and loss the the full PL, but um, splitting up some metrics that will influence that um, you know is a really good way to do it. And I think that they should be strong com contributors to that, and they should be responsible for some of the pro profit and loss. So yeah, I would say um, you know certainly my product lines I I had to drive revenue by X amount, and it was amazing because. You know, like one, you get to you get to influence where the business goes and, and really contribute, but you need you, you kind of get a little bit of flexibility to figure it out as well. And you know, we 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 negotiated with um, the the chief product officer as to how much revenue we we felt the product team could drive. And then obviously you go away and it's like, okay, we're going to come up with a plan. Oh wait, um, if we want to drive revenue by that much, that's a lot. We're going to need more resource, and it becomes this kind of like. Okay, almost like negotiation around. Okay, we need a we need a few more engineers to deliver on this like plan if we want to get there. And then the chief product officer might be like, okay, that sounds good, but maybe you can go away and get a bit more creative and see if you can you can do more with with less. And then you know we, we go away and we come come up with something and we've 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 got closer. And then you know maybe we're a little bit short of where we wanted, but yeah, that's how that's how we've done it. Cool, awesome, good answer. Um. As a product manager yourself, what kind of problems have you encountered along the way and um, how could, say, the founder um, have helped in those scenarios where maybe something didn't go quite right? Yeah, I love this. Um, I think I think certainly at, at one, one company, we were very, um, very operations heavy because we needed to hit certain metrics in order to get our next round of funding. And, um, you know, it, it made sense to invest in people to get there quickly, but that actually meant that um, the product wasn't going to be, we, you know, we weren't giving the product enough resource. And so our unit economics moving forward weren't going to be as good because we're like paying people and people are more expensive than building a system that can kind of scale. And so I think um, just really, um, really digging down to the short term and the long term um, implications of some of these decisions it's really good if you can get into the room with a um you know the ceo or founder and and um and i think you know the 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 more the founder can support the decisions and the limitations the better um because otherwise you know it, it just gets really tough so i would say just going back to you know give the product manager lots of autonomy and support and just make sure that you're on the you're on the same page um, because yeah if you're not it's gonna be really hard for them to um, drive results I've seen I've seen it when an executive or the CEO didn't really believe in where the product was going and that was that was really tough for the for the product team at the time and I think that that's I, I think you just got to get in a room and you really got to flesh it out. You, it, it's never gonna, it's never gonna end too well. And usually, this chief product officer would shield the team from that, and they would kind of like come to an agreement. Um, but in the smallest state, in in the earliest stages, if the if the CEO doesn't believe in the product, and then you know the the because most products fail in the first iteration or two, it's just gonna be a told you so situation. It's it's just not gonna be a good team team dynamic. And so I think working through that. And I think the other way is just like I definitely was at a company where the product vision was super foggy and it was like, yeah, we're getting to it. We're getting to the company vision. You know, it's going to take us another six months. And so 
and and just not giving the product manager enough information and i really i really struggled in this environment because i'm like well i don't really know where we're going and it's really hard to solve problems when i don't know where we're going and so i think just like really working hard to to get that information to the uh, you know to the product team is is super important Mm, awesome um if we look at um, so now obviously you've, you've started your startup um, drop station, which I guess you're building out product for. How um, can you describe how you're you're going about that? Because um, is it is it just you at the moment? Um, what does your team look like? Are you raising capital? Um, and yeah, how are you building that out from from a founder perspective? Um, which is- yeah, yeah, good question. We're, yeah, so this is me and my my co-founder, and we've got um, one one engineer. And we're just trying to we're trying to get as much traction as we can on the product front. Um, we've we've got a couple of customers, um, which which really helps and some revenue. And so the next step is we're raising a pre-seed in order to deliver on our next customers. Like we've got a pipeline that we can't um, we can't fully service because we just don't have the product built. And so really just being lean. And I think it's 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 really tough. It's um, it's it's good to be back in the founder seat because you realize how limited your resources actually are and, and how important just that like saying no in the prioritization, prioritization really, really is. Um, so yeah, I think just like ruthless prioritization is something that we're, we're going through and just getting clear on who we are and who we're not um, early on and knowing that, you know, the, the problem, the, the product will evolve and the more we talk to customers, the more we're going to learn about the, um, the space and, you know, it's, it's just part of the process yeah yeah awesome um a question here can't see the rest of your name i think it's oh yeah cormac um in a startup how would you best educate senior team members and getting them on the product journey um when they've come from non-technical backgrounds um eg with Dropstation, how would you bring on people who are non-tech yeah so is this so someone is this hiring people that are non-tech or getting people that are non-tech uh, bought into how like a really good way of doing product or being a product led organization, perhaps. I, I think it's the latter. A bit of both. Because um, of the first part, yeah, how would you best educate senior team members on getting them on the product journey? Okay, how about how about that one first? Yeah, how to educate team yeah. members? Yeah, I think, and this is a real challenge. This I've definitely been close to this one where, you know, people expect the product team to just come out with miracles and it to go so fast and they're just going to take care of it and then especially sales and um and leadership that they've, they've spent so much money on a, a product manager or this like chief product officer or head of product that now we've got to get it now we're good now we're going to see this product really come to life and i think there's just this this big expectation that needs to be set that product will it, it's going to take you a long time to get it that good and expect that it's not going to happen the first you know you're not going to get it right you can't just wake up one morning and build what everyone wants i mean you can do a ton of user research and we at, at thumbtack we used to have a we used to have a user researcher we used to have a content designer we used to have um, an analyst a designer a product marketer um, you know other product product leaders come in and we're all thinking about this problem and we still get it wrong and you know it's, it's so it's, it's really about okay we're gonna the, the expectation to set to to these people is you know the the game of product really is that we um we have a hypothesis we think this is you know this is really big and we need to test it as fast as possible and we know that this uh you know products tend to fail um i think like 50 60 percent i think that's what silicon valley product group says 60 50, 60% of products fail in the first, first go. And so we need to, we need to understand that, you know, if we're going to set these goals and these goals are going to, all these OKRs are going to be set in that we're going to, you know, blow it out of the water and this product's going to yield, you know, X percent in revenue or growth. Um, and we're only going to get one shot at building this out because the developers have only got six weeks to build this. Um, and so, you know, after six weeks, we're going to launch it. And then it's, you know, like everything's going to start happening. It's pretty unlikely. So if, if I were the CEO or in the executive team, I'll be like, okay, cool. We're going to build this. It's product development. It's going to take a while. Let's, let's set expectations with leadership that although it's good that we go, that we're going to get it, get there in six weeks, 
probably the reality is it might take 12 or maybe even more um, to get there. And, and that's okay because once we figure it out, it's going to be able to scale and it's going to get this business to the to a whole new level. And we just need to make sure that we got the runway and we set the right expectations with investors and things like that along the way to make sure that we can actually get there. Awesome, cool. Yeah, some really great insight in there. Um, and just on the other half of the question, um, um, yeah, how would you go about bringing on people who are non-tech? Um, and I guess, uh, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Um, keep, yeah, getting them up to date with with the products journey that's kind of yeah that kind of integrates with that i guess i think um, yeah maybe it's like yeah maybe if i'm trying to read between the yeah. lines there it's, um there's people that are coming on the team and you're trying to be this product-led um organization um and so you um you want to you want to make sure that anyone that's doing operations or you know customer experience or, or whatever it is um, really starts to understand um, this space. And I think just like having your product manager or your product team or even yourself just go through product onboarding, um, help them know, you know how, how you do product at the company and just um, how they can contribute as well. And I think that um, one of the most powerful thing, concepts that I've learned along the years with product is it's it's the diverse thought that helps you build these great products. And so it's having people in all these different positions. And so the people in customer experience are learning a lot about customers, a lot, and they know a lot of the holes in the product. And so allowing them to be part of the product process, whether that's like, Hey, you know, just send a slack to, you know, this channel here of something that you've noticed. Um, so, you know, we've got that on our radar. That's really helpful. Um, and then same with the sales team. And then obviously, you know, anyone that's out there talking to customers or even just thinking about the business, it's, it's, it's all good stuff and, and really good product managers will go and they'll, they'll learn all the different, they'll build these allies in the organization with all these different people and in, in different disciplines, because it will help them understand the product and, and they'll start, you know, wearing all of those hats. They'll have really good empathy for all of those areas. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I reckon that's a really good answer. And um, Cormac, do let us know if there were any other aspects to that question um, that you're keen to know. Um, a question, another question from Andrew. Um, do you notice any differences between product leadership roles in the US, New Zealand and Canada? Um, are there different expectations or are they the same? Yeah, great. I, I think what I've noticed is that the top product people that I've met in the US, they're super pragmatic and they will step into a situation and realize that we're spending way too much time and there's quite a big risk of it going wrong. And so they might ask the question, okay, can we do this in like a third of the time? Um, without going into detail of like something that we're doing at Thumbtack, because I don't know if I'm supposed to say, but um, we were working on something that was, it was a big update to our system. And it was going to, I think we had, you know, it was going to take, take a year or two. And then the chief product officer came in and said, all right, okay, this is, this is pretty big and it could go wrong. I think we really want to find out in a quarter. And so he just mobilized the team and gave them the resource to figure it out in a quarter. And that's just like, I, it, it was, it came in with a magic wand to all the product managers and enabled them to figure that out. And I, I, I felt that was super strong and um, definitely the others that I've met, it's all about speed and mitigating risks as fast as possible because engineer, engineers are the most expensive and wastage sucks and you don't want to go in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. Um, answer on that. Are there different types of product management and what are they? And how would you figure out which one is right for you as a, as a founder? Yeah, I think there's, there's a few different types of product managers that I've personally seen. And this industry, um, for better or for worse, if you go to, for instance, if you go to a bank in Canada, they'll call it a product owner, will be doing what a product manager will do. It's super confusing. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, there seems to be a few different roles for product managers in Silicon Valley. There's like um, an optimizer product manager. And this is someone that might go through and look at, um, you know, like maybe 
that they'll dive deep into data and they'll they'll figure out oh wow if we just increased our price by x amount it would it would increase our revenue by you know y and this would be considerably high and you know that that's super valuable and so they go in and they really optimize all of the existing um solutions and experiences uh then there's kind of like a data or a tech technical product manager and they're really responsible for diving deep into systems and sort of enabling all of these other um, teams whether it's product teams or the um the the data teams or um design and um, making sure that the systems are, are really well um oiled and you know they're, they're removing a lot of the technical debt and so they're very sort of that they're, they're probably your later stage companies when you've got like a lot of complexity and a lot of um a lot of data to work with and then you've got um the experience or kind of like the zero to one product manager which is um you know they come in nothing's this thing hasn't been done before and they go out and they talk to customers and they figure out what the product needs to look like and they build it out to to this um basically to you know a, a point where they have validated it and then you know sometimes they pass it on to someone else to scale that and that might be an optimizer product product manager i was i've i've been a, a zero to one experience type product manager so at thumbtack i was working on the full um redesign of the customer experience and building a whole new home area in in the experience and so you know that that was kind of what i was like best suited to and then there's a growth product manager which is all about okay how do we get more people into the product how do we, you know how do we set up our referral system and and all of that stuff and so that's a that's a different type of product i probably missed a couple but these are the ones that you know i've been exposed to a lot yeah awesome no, that's, that's good to hear that there's yeah a range of um different types of product managers out there um and also depending where you are and, and, and what sort of company um, just a quick note for, for listeners, um, we've got about 15 minutes left. Uh, if there are any questions um, that you're keen to ask Campbell, now is the time to chuck those into the Q&A or the chat. I'm also keeping an eye on um, anything product related or if you're curious about um, Dropstation. Um, actually, yeah, I would love to chat a bit more about um, Dropstation and, and what exactly you are um, doing there. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. So the sort of what we've we've been well, me and my co-founder, we've spent years trying to solve re-engagement for some of the biggest brands in the world. And way back in the day, I used to have like a, a little um, social social media brand agency and work with small to medium businesses. And it's really hard to um, to get customers coming back and solve and solve this kind of like um, recurring revenue problem. And uh, that we've typically relied on loyalty in the past um now um with web3 there's this new new concept around um ownership um and with web3 you can you can certify if someone owns something so brands and businesses can share ownership in their actual um assets and they create memberships so so people can now come in and interface with a brand and they and the brand can say hey look you know, invest in, invest in, uh, you know, our company and we'll give you, um, assets that you can then go and go and resell. And so, um, we've worked with a festival that, um, created a lifetime membership and you could go and you could then, um, you know, like buy a, buy a piece of the festival map. And then, uh, now you're kind of in the community. So it's a new way to build community as a brand. And um, yeah, we think that it's uh, loyalties evolving much more beyond this, like um, you know, points and reward system. And it's it's really starting. It, it's it's going to be about how can you create these like new, really sticky communities where you actually share ownership with your customers as opposed to um, just selling them a product or a service. Um, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, and I think you mentioned yeah, you're looking to raise um, capital to keep growing out the products um, in order to serve the, the customers that you've got um, wanting to uh, to use it. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 raising we're raising a um, million dollar pre seed. Um, yeah, so that's like kicking off, um, which is which is fun. Yeah. Okay. Exciting. I um, hope, hope that goes well um, for you. Um, we've just got a couple of questions that have just come through in the chat. Um, question from Dion. How involved is product in GTM and international expansion? 
Well, yeah, the product can be very involved. Um, you might, if you're trying to go offshore, there's, it depends on the type of the business, but sometimes there's a lot of tax implications. There's all sorts of regulations you got to deal with and a product manager will go in and, and sort of really own that and, and help. I remember um, when we were working with, um, with banks, we would have to go, like one product manager was trying to figure out tax across like all these other geographies. Mm. And so, and then uh, same, same with go to market. I think, um, yeah, there's, there's this tension between does a product manager take go to market or do you get someone that's like, you know, doing business development to kind of try and get something off the ground in the early stage. And maybe someone in business development might be able to just go and like, I don't know, see if they can get, um, get, a, get a market started and then they might hand it off to a product manager to kind of take it from there. So yeah, there's different ways you can do it, but yeah, I think it's like case by case. Mm, interesting. I mean, have you seen any examples um, yourself personally where, you know, you've, you, you or your team or another team has taken a product overseas and they've done something wrong and it's kind of backfired or, you know, lessons learned from that? Um, yeah. I think just getting getting tax tax mm. wrong, which was like a technical piece that was just super complex. But mm. yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it. I know it's really hard, and mm. it doesn't excite me as a product person because it's just yeah. But it it, it could be it could be a fun um, a fun thing to do depending on what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, true. You definitely would not want to get your taxes wrong with um, different companies in trouble in that sense. Um, um, what part of your journey so far would you say has gone surprisingly well? Like what have you enjoyed the most? Yeah, I think when I was at Seda, so mm. what happened was we were we were this home concierge and we were growing very fast. We were Sequoia backed and Sequoia was, um, you know, for those who don't know, Sequoia is like a, a venture capital firm in the US. They're like one of the, one of the big ones they got really good reputation but they they really push founders to move and um they we we were running out of cash and we were hiring really quickly and then the pandemic hit and it was uh it, i think that's when we work went um public and also uber and it was like really bad value like just a bad situation um for fundraising and so we really struggled to to raise uh, the, the next round that we needed. And then COVID hit, which is like a double whammy. And then we realized, okay, well, let's do something that's going to, um, that's different, that can truly, truly scale because home services was really hard to do. Um, and, and what I mean by that is someone would come to our product and they'd be like, they would call up the company and they'd be like, okay, I want to, um, I want to get a plumber for my house and I want to do a kitchen renovation. And so we were doing this manually sometimes and we were building this system to do it, um, you know, in an automated way, but it wasn't very scalable, but we were getting these deals because we had an amazing growth team that bring in. And so, you know, on, it looked like we were growing really quickly and we were growing our, our revenue quite quickly, but it just wasn't profitable and the market wasn't, um, wasn't going to invest, you know, a large amount and uh, unless we had solved um, profitability. And so, we just got to the situation where we just we got into a room and we we're like, okay, there's there's literally there's only one way out. We need to figure out how to scale this home services uh, thing, and we actually got and so we we got two of our product managers. I was one of them, and we did uh, we did a Shark Tank every week, and we would go out and we would talk to customers and we had this hypothesis on Monday. And then on Friday, the rest of the company would, um, would get this virtual money. And if they voted on the, the idea that everyone voted on, they would get like, you know, 5X their virtual money and bragging rights. But it was, it was really about us um, getting into this experimental habit and trying to figure out what is the next thing um, that we can do and, and how can we solve a really big pain point in the market that we weren't really focused on. And then um, once once we got to the home hub, um, which was just this one place that you can manage your home, um, things started to really kind of open up. Thumbtack came in and we're like, oh, this is interesting. This hasn't really been solved before. Uh, no one's built this one area to manage your home. And then, and then you know, we, we moved to Thumbtack. And for me personally, it was amazing because I was the product manager on that. And then Thumbtack put so much resource behind me to, to build that out. 
and things just things just move so it gave me an amazing platform but yeah that that i you know you you just end up in the right place at the right time yeah i love that that concept of um using like internal shark tank um was it through one of those ideas that you know you or your team had pitched that you end up then yeah taking forward yeah, it, there was there was parts of it that we took, and yeah. But, it, but what was really interesting um, that taught me a lot about pitching was the the ones that would win were the ones where they had more customer empathy. So whenever I did a shark tank and I went and I talked to a ton of data, and I was like, yeah, the data speaks really really well, and then and then my my counterpart arch rival is coming out and saying, oh. Well, you know, our customers really hurting and then they saw this and they found it amazing because of X, Y, and Z, everyone would just go for that. And then I realized, oh, wow, that, yeah, customer empathy really sells, yeah. Interesting, And but would the empathy option have been the most effective in the long run or is that more just the psychology behind people pick that? It might be the psychology. It might be the same psychology that when you see in the newspaper that, you know, someone got like tragic injuries, it, it, you sort of feel it more than when you see 300,000 people got, or three, that's a lot, three, 300 people got injured in this like hurricane, like, yeah, it's different. Right. Yeah, you yeah. react differently. There's like some studies on it. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Mm, interesting. Um, just had a comment come through from Grant saying uh, we've adopted we've adopted and adapted the uh, shape up process, which Basecamp developed. Uh, we work in six week cycles with two week cool downs. Pitches for new products are led mainly by head of product. Having a structured approach has helped us a lot. Um, Campbell, I'm curious, what is the best approach or model you've experienced for bringing structure to product development, which delivers the best outcomes? Yeah, that's that's such a good question because it depends on the size of the company and where 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 you're at. I think in the really early days, it it sounds like the the company's relatively mature, um, and that sounds like a great cadence. Um, the problem with six week cycles is, and this is what we had at Thumb, at Thumbtack, we had a quarter, and we were like, we're going to build this thing in a quarter, and we're going to get these results, and a quarter is not a lot of time because if it's a new idea and you're trying to build something that's never been done before, you really need to go out and talk to customers and kind of like do some research. So that takes like a week or two at least. And then you've got to, then you've got to design what needs to be built. And so that takes like a week or two, then you've got to build the thing. And then by the end, you're kind of just shipping it and you're not getting enough time in market to actually see the impact of the results. And so we switched to um, a six month cycle, but we're also, we were also a really big company with like a thousand people, um, you know, big product teams, like slow, slow systems. And so, I mean, if the team can get the, um, you know, the products out into market, and they've got you know a few weeks to measure the impact of that and maybe iterate uh, once or twice you know then that that seems really good but yeah that's that's short and it depends what they're building so yeah that's how i would think about it i'd be like okay do they have enough time to figure out to do the discovery work because if we're just building stuff um then there's going to be a lot of wastage and one thing that product teams have is they have this bias to build because there's all these like amazing engineers that are going to be sitting around if you don't if you don't start building stuff but then as soon as they engage and they start building stuff you create these overheads uh and then you know like you've already created debt and you've slowed down from going so sometimes it's best to just like if you're not sure to just like stop and just take the time and just i don't know like get the developers working on technical debt or something like that and that's like really hard to manage but yeah, that's that's how I think about it. Do you have enough time to do to make sure that you can do the discovery to make sure what your building is actually going to be of, of value? And sometimes you just need to build it and then test it really quickly. And then, you know, do you have enough time to actually measure that impact? And then at the end of the six weeks or whatever it is, uh, if you can then just assess and say, you know, like, uh, does it seem like we're on the right track? Yes or no? Then that would be an awesome cycle. Mm, awesome. Yes. Yeah, really great um, advice. And yeah. Yeah. Um... A uh, question from um, Anonymous attendee. Um, any experience of joining a startup above existing product managers? Um, how can you best listen and learn, but also lead? 
Yeah. So you, so you're, you're coming in, are you coming in as a product person or just like an executive? Really good point. Um, anonymous, if you do want to chuck in another question, <laughs> just with the answer there. Um, uh, let's say for, um, let's go with as a, as a product manager, perhaps, uh, I mean, above them in product. Yeah, I think. It, it's oh, yes. CPO. Uh, CPO. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely seen this where, a product manager was expecting to get, you know, um, race this head of product and then a CPO comes in and it's kind of like, oh, who's calling the shots now? This is, this is unmotivating. And so, yeah, I think this is just something that you need to, you need to work with, with the career path of that person and try and figure out, you know, were they really wanting to get to that level or are they at a position where bringing in a CPO would be massively valuable because they're going to get experience from someone that's like, done this before and is going to propel their, their product career and be, um, you know, teach them a bunch of stuff. Um, and maybe, maybe there's a, maybe there's a situation where, you know, the, the, um, product manager might not stay for as long, but as, as a company, you know, you need to be making, you know, the right decisions and bring the right leadership in to build out, um, you know, like the, the product organization. And so maybe that's a compromise you might have to make. That's yeah. It's a hard situation. Mm, cool. A um, couple more questions. A uh, question from Jim. Um, uh, Dropstation, are you focused on brand owners as your customer or is it the fan base of end users or perhaps both? Yeah, I think um, we, we've, we've been exploring and um, it's uh, definitely we're finding that there's a lot of creators that want to want to build a stronger fan base and they've um, they've been really interested in what we're, what we're building. And so, yeah, we're, we're trying to go through this process of identifying, you know, who exactly our customer is that we're going to serve. Is it, is it some of these businesses and brands? And I think we have to make a decision, um, first. And then, you know, obviously the long-term vision is where this platform that, um, everyone can come to, to build their web three, um, presence and this new type of community that is much more effective for businesses to, increase their customer lifetime value and, and build um build their um their customer base but yeah i think um yeah it's something something that we're working through through now it's a good it's a really good question it's a hard one especially mm -hmm. in the early days i mean we've we haven't been working on this for, for too long yeah true true i guess yeah it's definitely early days and um be curious to see you know where you're at and in six months a year and, and onwards um with your journey for, for drop station um just conscious we are um, at the end of uh, our slot now. Um, the webinar, we have been recording this and I'll chuck this up on our channels um, within the next couple of hours. Um, so if there's anyone watching and you know someone else um, who perhaps works in product management or they're a founder looking to make a, um, make a hire of a product manager, um, do send this their way um, once I've got this posted up. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, big thank you, Campbell, uh, for sharing some really good insight into the world of product management for uh, for founders. Um, it'd be really cool to see your journey over the next while as well. Yeah, thanks, Alia. And um, to anyone listening, if you've got any nuanced questions, I'm happy to see if I can help. Just like DM me on on LinkedIn or or Twitter. Um, yeah, really, uh, really love helping. So yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, and thank you, Campbell. Uh, catch you guys on the next one.